0: Breaking news from The Athletic. This is Andy Staples from The Athletic with breaking news. The Pac 12 has voted to play football in fall 2020 with a season that begins Friday, November 6th. Each team is going to play seven games. The vote was Thursday night. They're telling us it was unanimous, but that's what they always tell us. To talk about this decision, Christian Capel from The Athletic, he covers Washington. He's been all over this story. Christian, how how did they get to this point where it went from on August 11th, the Pac-12 was not going to play any fall sports, there will be no sports until at least January 1st, to now a decision to start playing football in November?
1: Yeah, I mean, the the biggest event was September 3rd, when seemingly out of the blue, the Pac-12 and Larry Scott announced that uh, the conference had secured a partnership with Quinell Corporation, a lab and based out of San Diego, to provide daily rapid COVID-19 testing to all of its football players. Um, when the, the CEO groups, so the presidents and chancellors voted to postpone the season on August 11th, they outlined three primary concerns, and that was the lack of, of daily rapid testing, um, long-term health effects, particularly the, the heart condition myocarditis and just some of the uncertainties around that. And then also infection rates in Pac-12 cities. Um, some of those infection rates have subsided and then the the testing kind of took care of the other two concerns really that you know if, if you can test every single day meaning you can test the day of the game and get results back in 15 minutes um, that means you you can almost guarantee that nobody participating in a game is going to infect uh, an opponent or a teammate and if that's the case and you can guarantee that they're not infecting each other during practice or during play I think um, listening to what some of the doctors in the conference have said, uh, that also alleviates some concern around long-term health effects. If if you can eliminate the the possibility that, you know, they're going to be maybe contracting COVID-19 in in your facilities or on the field of play. So uh, today's vote, I think if there's any frustration, it's that that testing partnership was announced September 3rd, today's September 24th, took three whole weeks for the CEO group to get together and approve a path forward. But um the, the the testing partnership really was the linchpin for all of this
0: well, well that's my that was my next question because if that was september 20 or september 3rd why did the big 10 beat them back to a decision to play and, and i realize there's more to this there were some state regulations that had to be dealt with what exactly did the pac-12 have to go through in the last week to get to this point
1: yeah, I mean, they. Uh, it, it really was the Big Ten's announcement that sort of seemed to to spur a lot of action on the the state and county levels. You know, you had Larry Scott in the Pac-12 that day saying, "Hey, you know, we've we like our we like our path forward, and we like the progress we've made, but we've still got six teams, the, the Oregon teams, and all the teams in California, who because of local ordinances aren't able to practice right now." So gosh, until those get lifted, there's really nothing we can do. And then Governor of California, Gavin Newsom, the same day comes out and says, no, what are you talking about? We never said you couldn't have football practice. practice. <laughs>
0: Did you not notice the 49ers and the Rams playing <laughs> last week?
1: Yes. Except their um, their local health authority had said that for college athletics, cohorts of uh, six to 12 people were acceptable to, to work out, but no more than that. And I think there was some disconnect between what was allowed and the language and what you actually need to, to conduct a full football practice in a game. So um, that got ironed out after a few hours of the PAC 12 uh, spending some time in the wrong kind of spotlight on, on social media and such. Um, you know, The governor of Oregon and the local health authorities there made pretty clear a while ago that they weren't going to stand in the way of the Pac-12 having a season, if that's what it came to. Um, The Seemingly, the LA County uh, issues got resolved pretty quickly with USC and UCLA coming together to work through those. Um, I haven't seen any actual word on the Bay Area counties and whether that's going to be an issue or not. Obviously, the Pac-12 CEOs don't feel it. It will be. I don't think they would have moved forward approving a, a season if not. So, um, th- those are just some of the kind of some of the differences between the Pac-12 and the Big Ten figuring this out.
0: What did the in- individual Pac-12 schools have to work through amongst each other this week? Because I know some of them wanted to start playing the weekend of Halloween. Some of them wanted to start playing the weekend that they're going to start playing. How was that discussion, you know, how did it evolve?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think anyone who who saw Bruce Feldman's story uh, when the last week or 10 days ago or whenever that was, time seems to run together these days. But uh, there are, there have been some coaches anonymously expressed concern over uh, a six-week ramp-up timeline and saying that that's a, that's a little bit too aggressive and that, you know, some of these coaches in these states, they haven't been able to put their teams through the same level of workout since June 15th when um, – Players were allowed to come back for voluntary workouts on Pac-12 campuses. So uh, I think there was some thought, obviously, that six weeks wasn't going to be enough, that you need more like eight weeks. Um, clearly, they reached a consensus. You know, I don't know if, if that was the coaches coming together to have their own conversations to say, hey, let's, let's iron this out, or if that was uh, the ADs lobbying the CEOs saying, no, it's fine. We can do November 7th. Just get it on the calendar. We'll figure it out. We, we, can, we can make this happen. These guys are in good shape. They're training year-round. Um, you know, Jimmy Lake, Washington's coach, was on his – he had his first uh, coach's radio show of the season last night. And I know he had seemed like he was advocating pretty pretty strongly for November 7th but said he could certainly make October 31st work. So I think it just got to a point where, hey, if, if they can get a date on the calendar, um, I, don't, I don't think there were a lot of people in the conference who wanted to stand in the way of that ultimately.
0: So they're going to play seven games, uh, six-game kind of regularly scheduled season – Then there will be a championship game between the the two division champs. And then you've got a challenge format, similar to what the big Ten's doing where you're going to do some divisional crossover games as well on the same day as the championship game. Uh, What are you looking forward to this season? I mean, this is, this is actually going to play football. So is it, is it Jimmy Lake's first season at, at Washington? Is it Oregon trying to defend the title? Is it, is it Clay Helton? I don't even know if he's on the hot seat anymore (laughs) at this point, but he, he was going to start the season on the hot seat at USC. What do you think is the most intriguing storyline?
1: Man, it's so hard to say. We spent so long, like, not actually looking at, you know, thinking about football or, or, or speculating about football. It's nice to get back to it. Um, I'm curious to see where Oregon is at, considering what it lost to, to opt-outs and NFL draft declarations. Then I'm also curious to see maybe not just from an Oregon perspective, but conference-wide, you know, how many guys who opted out or how many guys who said they were going to go pro might look into actually playing this year. I know the two guys that Washington has lost, Joe Tryon and Levi Onzerike, they're long gone. Um, you're going to see those guys next in the pros. There's no chance they're coming back. But um, just from a Washington perspective, they got a, a four-way quarterback competition with a, a seventh-year grad transfer who came in and uh, three other young guys who haven't really played. They're much. not all
0: named Jake now, are they? They used no, to all be no. named Jake.
1: There's one Jacob left. One <laughs> Jacob left. I, I One of their middle names might be Jacob, actually, but I might have to, I'll have to double check that. But I'm, I'm real curious, yeah, just to see a school like Washington, and Oregon's in this boat too, with a new starting quarterback, a new for, uh, offensive coordinator, new system. They're going to have five and a half weeks, um, less than that, obviously, of, of full contact with pads, trying to install that offense. And put reps on the right guys and figure out who their leader is going to be going forward, running the offense. And I'm real curious to see how some of these first-year quarterbacks and teams with first-year coordinators look in week one.
0: Christian Capel, thank you so much. And thank you for joining our breaking news coverage. Go to the Athletics' new headlines section for much more on this story. And to get access to all of the Athletics' great sports content, visit theathletic.com slash newspod. Right now, you can join for just $1 a month. The Pac-12 is back. All five Power Five conferences will be playing football in 2020.